today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith Paul's whole life was a life of faith. He was a man of faith. And he prayed in faith, and his faith was so strong that he'd go to God and say, Deliver me from the thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient, Paul. He didn't want to take maybe no for an answer. He said, Lord, deliver me from the thorn in the flesh. Uh, Paul, my grace is sufficient. It wasn't until the third time. Then he said, All right. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh that ailed him greatly. Three separate times, Paul asked the Lord to take the thorn away. However, God chose not to answer Paul's prayer to keep the Apostle humble. In today's message from James, Pastor Ed encourages us to ask for healing in prayer. In fact, we should persist in prayer for healing just as Paul did until we get a definite no. We learn from Paul's story that though the Lord can and does heal all the time, sometimes in God's wisdom and grace, Jesus says no. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith It says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. Notice that phrase. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The, The Lord will raise him up. There is mystery. Our part, God's part. God doing something, God raising them up, our prayer, a prayer of faith. And and the text goes on to say, if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, I'm going to stop at that point. Next week, we're going to talk about effectual, fervent prayer of Elijah. And then the following week, we're going to talk about returning the backslider to God. And then we'll complete our series in the book of James. Jessica, just an infant. Just a number of months old. Becomes violently ill with pneumonia. Her father is a pastor, a preacher. He prays and he believes for his child's healing fervently day and night for days. Jessica Ann dies. This takes place in Estes, Colorado. The district attorney of Estes, Colorado hears of the case And feels like it's negligence and murder. They take John Lieberger to court. He's found guilty. The judge pronounces the ruling. And he said it would be a greater crime to put him in prison. Because John Lieberger was the father of five children. And by all reports, he was a good father. So he sentences him to five years of community service in the hospital 
right across from his home in Estes, Colorado. Going out of the court, a news reporter asked John Lyberg, Reverend Lyberg, what do you think about the verdict? How do you feel about the verdict of guilty? He responds, God is my judge. I will stand before God and be judged. Let's say, and that's true, all of us one day will stand before God and be judged. Let's say God said to you at that end day, I want you to serve on the jury. How would you find Reverend John Lyberg? Guilty? Not guilty? Most important is what God says, but how would you? Richard Foster said, Normally, the aid of prayer and the aid of medicine should be pursued at the same time with equal vigor, for both are gifts from God. Reverend Lyberger had strong faith, devout faith, but he had faulty theology. Strong faith, devout faith, with wrong theology can be very, very dangerous. Foster goes on to say, healing prayer is a part of the normal Christian life. It should not be elevated above any other ministry in the community of faith, nor should it be undervalued. Rather, it should be kept in proper balance. It is simply a normal aspect of what it means to live under the reign of God. James tells us that God heals, and we know that. And we believe that. There's also a sovereignty. Immediately, when you begin to delve into the Christian faith, you'll notice all sorts of tensions. God chooses us, yet we accept him as Savior. Where is it all? Prayer makes a difference, but yet God makes that final decision. We can't cut the tension out of our faith. We can't unravel the mystery of faith. Once we try and do that and cut the tension, now it's difficult to live in that tension of how God works, but once we cut the tension, immediately we veer off to this end or we veer off to this end and we come unbalanced. I want you to listen very carefully because the faith of some may depend on your faith. Richard Foster talks about healing prayer. And this morning, I I want us to look at some of the aspects. The first, he says, is listen. The first step is discernment. We listen to people and we listen to God. Uh, What is he saying by that? He says, when we begin to pray for somebody, listen to that person. Because that person may, as they talk, reveal an area of disobedience in their life or an area of sin. And if they deal with that sin, it may release the healing power of God to them. It it may be that in their life they're struggling with 
some fear or guilt. And if that is dealt with, all of a sudden it releases the healing power of Jesus to flow through their physical body. Richard Foster tells the story of a woman who comes for prayer. And she asks for healing prayer. And she begins to tell her story. And she just rattles, 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 rattles on. And the preacher or the person who's ministering to her says, God has forgiven you. She doesn't hear him. And she just rattles on. He says it again. God has forgiven you. She's not listening. She's just rattling on. Finally, he takes her by the shoulders. He shakes her. And he says, listen to me. God has forgiven you. And suddenly, her eyes open. She begins crying. She turns to her husband and says, God has forgiven me. And healing is released into our life. What he means by listening as we go in that first step is we listen to that person. Because maybe there's something that's going to open up the healing power of Jesus to them. But we not only listen to them, we listen to God. Yeah, we listen to God. Now, think about it for a moment. Did James know Paul? Certainly. Was James and Paul, were they friends? James, the author of the book of James? Paul, the apostle? Yes, they were. Uh, Numerous times, Paul visited Jerusalem. And I don't think it's beyond our imagination that they prayed together as well in this great task of evangelizing the world. Uh, James says, call for the elders of the church. Was Paul sick? He certainly was. Three times he prayed, oh Lord, deliver me. Now notice, three times he prayed. He didn't give up on it. Just kept on pursuing. Well, there was James. (laughs) There was Peter. Peter's shadow just healed people. There were the other disciples. There they were in prayer meetings together in Jerusalem, going to the temple at times, the Jerusalem council. Fellas, just lay hands on me, anoint me with... But somehow a, a voice came from heaven and said, My grace is sufficient. God, I want my healing. Uh, Paul my, my grace is sufficient. Uh, God, I want my healing. My grace is sufficient, Paul. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Uh, listening to God. Listening to God when we pray for people. We want neat little formulas, but God doesn't work that way. God has a mind and a will, and the Bible is packed with information about how God works. And so, the first step is listen. The second step is ask. This is a step of faith. We come to a clearness about what is needed. We invite God's healing to come. We speak a definite, straightforward declaration of what is to be. We do not weaken our request with ifs, ands, or buts. What he's saying at this point, when we ask, we say, Lord, will you heal this person? God, we believe that you want to touch them. And and we begin to pray and request definitely over a situation. Now, notice what the Bible says. Call for the 
elders, plural, not singular. It, there's something about unity in prayer. There's something about people praying together. We sort of ride off one another's faith. Uh, the faith of our brother, the faith of our sister inspires us to believe and to trust in God. The faith of a congregation, as it were, could break through those barriers and break through those walls. There's something about prevailing prayer and unity in prayer. Sometimes there's a battle that we have to involve ourselves in. There's intercession. There's tarrying that breaks through and brings, as it were, God's power to bear on that moment. Foster talks about that second step to ask. Go to the scriptures. Take some promises. Take some verses of scripture. Meditate on them. Soak in them. Like Exodus 23, 25 or Exodus 15, 26. Let me read to you Exodus 23, 25. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you. Just to meditate on that. Or Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. God is the God who heals. And to take passages and to take scriptures and to meditate on that, to think on that, to pray over those things, that's what he's referring to when we begin to ask, but then there's another step, believe. Step three, believe. And Foster says, this is a step of assurance. We believe with the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Now, I just want to make a couple of comments right here. There are times that God will give you what Corinthians calls the gift of faith, where all of a sudden you have this divine gift from God and you just trust and you just know and you just believe and, and, and you just know it's God. There are times where God will give you a word of knowledge and that gift is operating in you and you just know and you just see that that person is going to be delivered and healed. Now, again, I want to set in context this sense of mystery Because as we began the story with that pastor and his daughter, whom I'm sure he loved, and I'm sure that man is a a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, but we need to walk, as it were, in balance in our life and hear God's voice, know his voice. You just can't simply go and say, in every situation, right now it's God's will for you to be healed. If that were the case, go into the hospital ward at Vassar Hospital, or go to St. Francis. Or, or, or there, there are times, ultimately, our, our salvation we don't receive in full here. I have friends that believe that, but it's just simply not true. The Bible tells us that he saves us from sin. Isn't that true? Okay. We're sanctified by his power. That means that We're progressing in holiness. I had a roommate who said that he was sinless because he experienced the fullness of his salvation. I said, get real. I live with you. That's not true. (laughs) We're going to experience the fullness of our salvation on the other side. And in part, and I don't fully understand the mystery of it, but all of us are going to be healed ultimately. 
Because we're going to get a new body, a resurrected body that knows no sickness, no pain. And we live, in a sense, in this in-between state of the, the present and not yet and the things to come. But as we pray for people, we can believe for their healing. And, and, and when you believe for a person's healing, you're, you're saying, God, I know that you're the healer. I, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to see that person in my heart as healed. Praying in faith. Now, that's, as I said, going to help me live a balanced Christian life because I've seen people absolutely crushed where they really believed something, but it didn't happen. And I know they believed. Uh, Brothers Wally was a close personal friend of me, mine, one of the most godly men I knew. He, he owned um, a local oil uh, delivery business, and this man was godly. Well, he had cancer, and he, I'm telling you, believed. Not only did he believe, his wife believed. Not only did his wife believe, but his children believed. And I remember going almost every day to his house and praying with him. And then one day when I went, he passed away. His wife was so disillusioned that she went down to the basement and she hung herself. I had a double funeral to do, husband and wife. You have to be very careful can't blame people. There's some mystery to something that we don't know. But does that stop me from praying in faith? No. Does that stop me from believing for supernatural things? No. But if I don't recognize the sovereignty of God, the mystery of this life, I could have a dangerous faith. My faith has to be informed by proper theology. And as you look at the study of church history and you, you look at the study of the scriptures, all of those things help inform you. But I tell you, I'd rather believe to the point that a person is just ready to go to the grave and just pray in faith unless God says no. But I'd rather just pray and trust for a supernatural miracle and say, Lord, I I believe you for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to trust God because I've seen people healed of cancer. We have people healed in our church. Uh, One of our doctors, Dr. Joseph Adjaman, he was losing sight in his eyes. The doctor says, his fellow doctors, his colleagues said, you are going to lose your eyesight. God healed him. God delivered him. And, And they were amazed. But I must live the Christian life in balance and with an understanding. And I know it's hard to sometimes put all these things together. But the Christian life is lived in tension. And whenever you cut that tension, you become off balance either way. Foster talks about the fourth step. He gave the three steps. Listen, ask, believe. Fourth step, give thanks. This is a step of gratitude. Simple courage leads us to express our thanks for what we have asked to happen. Begin by faith saying, Lord, I thank you that that's going to happen. I thank you that uh, that person is going to one day just, they're going to walk or they're going to 
run? Are they going to... And you begin to visualize with holy, sanctified imagination that miracle taking place. And I think that's a healthy thing to do. To be able... It's different. Now, be very careful how you do this. And I, unless God has dropped a word of knowledge in your heart, because I've seen it where people have just made some confession and they said, oh, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Be very careful of that because if you're not, that really hurts the testimony of Christians. I've seen that happen in the hospital where people have died and there's I think there's a difference in meditating on the scripture, taking the verses, and I think there's a difference in faith, picturing yourself healed by the power of God and thanking God for a miracle. And again, it's a difficult balance. It's a fine line, but that balance is oh so important. He talks about praying in faith, and he gives this example. Then he says, then you, Jesus, that what we have seen and what we have said is the way it is going to be. Amen. So you say, Lord, that's the way it's going to be. I see my child healed. I, I see the situation transformed. There's a quote that I found from R.T. Kendall talking about James chapter 5, and I thought it was very insightful. It says, the prayer of faith takes place. And he's talking about when they pray in faith, the elders. The prayer of faith takes place then when there is a simultaneous coinciding of the believer's faith and God's will. We must bring it in 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. I believe the prayer of faith is a momentary participation in the very will of God in the faith of Jesus Christ, which lies behind the whole matter. Powerful insight. Galatians chapter 2.19. We conclude with this verse. For though the law, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. For I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is Paul the Apostle saying that Christ lived in him. And then he goes on to say this. This life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul's whole life was a life of faith. He was a man of faith. And he prayed in faith, and his faith was so strong that he'd go to God and say, deliver me from the thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient, Paul. He didn't want to take maybe no for an answer. He said, Lord, deliver me from the thorn in the flesh. Uh, Paul, my grace is sufficient. It wasn't until the third time. Then he said, all right. I want you to see that you should persist in prayer for healing until you get a definite no. I don't think God's offended with that. Persist in prayer for others. Persist in prayer for yourself. But there is this, as I said, dynamic. We've shared tried to share this morning tremendous victories and then also the reality sometimes where the sovereignty of God may come in or, or there's something else that we may not even know. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? 
These words from the book of James could lead one to believe that we must earn our salvation by good works. Pastor Ed will tackle this difficult subject and more as he teaches through the book of James. We'll learn that works are the result of faith, not the other way around. Although building in faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Edward Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching through his series through the book of James, right here on Building in Faith. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. Absolutely everyone. The stakes of leadership are sky high. Everyone has influence. Come to the Global Leadership Summit on August 10th and 11th and learn skills to help you lead transformation in your community. The summit features leaders like Bill Hybels, Sheryl Sandberg, Andy Stanley, and more. Experience the summit at Faith Assembly, Casper Kill Campus, Poughkeepsie, August 10th and 11th. Register at willowcreek.com summit and use the priority code radio, willowcreek.com summit.